thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. It's time to kick your shoes off, put your heels up, and listen to how to live your best barefoot lifestyle with your host, the barefoot podiatrist, Paul Thompson. Hello and welcome back to the Barefoot Movement Podcast. My name is Paul Thompson and today I wanted to talk about shoes. So when building bodies and feet that support us, shoes are obviously something that we need to look into and need to uh, try and make more informed choices and informed decisions. So um, today I really wanted to get across more the features of shoes I find people get a bit hung up on brands um, and styles and things like that but you know there's half a dozen features in shoes that we really need to become more educated around to make more informed decisions and just understand what shoes um, have the potential to do to your movement patterns now, don't get me wrong, shoes are great. They can keep our feet safe from sharp and dangerous objects as well as protect our feet from the heat and the cold. So shoes have allowed us as humans to explore places on earth that we probably wouldn't have ever got to without some sort of foot coverings on our feet. However, in modern times, those basic foot coverings have changed significantly and we've started getting pretty technical with our footwear, which clinically I see comes at a a cost to our body and to our movement. What a lot of people don't realise is the damage that that um, can do to our body over time. And there's nothing in the body exists in isolation, it's all one body and everything affects everything else. Once we start altering and positions of the feet, then we start to see an impact on joints above the foot, up into the knee and the hips, um, and even further up. Just while we're talking about shoes, I just want you to be very cautious um, with this conversation about what is the best shoe. Okay, and the features that I'm going to go through, um, just be aware that the best shoe for you is whatever helps support your range of motion and stability right now. So if you have some motor control issues or some stability issues or range of motion issues, then a completely barefoot type shoe, which is what I'll talk about in a second, what that is, may not be right for you right now. As you work on your body and improve your barefoot movement and as your range of motion improves and your stability improves, then there's definitely could be some sort of step down into a more natural barefoot shoe. But just be aware that with the features I'm about to talk about, that it's not right for everyone right now. It's just what I believe and what a lot of science actually tells us um, too is the best position for us to be in as humans. You know, and for years we've been telling um, or been told that we need to wear 
supportive footwear to protect our feet. And as a podiatrist, you know, for years I did the same thing. It's what I was taught, what I was told to tell people, that we needed the the stiff heel and the the small cushioned layer under our feet to help protect and support our feet to make sure they remain healthy. But in my experience, this type of shoe can actually do the opposite. So I'm really excited to share some of these features with you and really hope that you can take um, some of this on board and start to make some better changes for yourself as your body allows. All right, so what are shoes doing to our feet? Now, I mentioned before they can definitely do some good things like protect our feet from sharp objects or hot or cold objects um, or surfaces. But if we're not careful, certain footwear can shorten and stiffen our tendons and joints. They can weaken the intrinsic muscles of the feet, can reduce proprioception in our bodies so we start to alter our balance and the way our feet perceive the world by putting a a thick layer of cushioning under them. Footwear can create less bending of the toes as well if we're not careful, which can result in um, reduced windless mechanism, which is a feature in the foot that helps to stabilise and create propulsion um, during movement. Our shoes can change our centre of gravity. They can cause our body to compensate through movement and through gait patterns. They can change the posture of our feet and hips. And they can disconnect us from the earth. And that can be from an earthing point of view. So um, science shows us that the magnetic field um, is really good for anti-inflammation and there's lots of other benefits to earthing. But disconnecting us from the earth from a physical point of view um, in that we're putting a layer, normally an artificial synthetic material um, between us and the ground, which changes the sensation that our feet are feeling. So the tactile sensation as we walk around gives us a lot of feedback and gives our brain feedback and helps us know uh, when muscles should be firing at the right time to help us move efficiently. All right, so we've got around six features that I want to go through today. And they are basically the heel pitch in the shoe. So that's the the height of the heel compared to the front of the foot. So in a high heel, that's a really obvious um, thing to see. Whereas in something like a jogger, it may not be as obvious and you may not realise that there is any heel pitch in it. But just be aware that most um, joggers these days will have anywhere from one to two centimetres of heel pitch built in. So that means your heel can be anywhere up to two centimetres raised compared to the forefoot. So if you imagine being in a high heel, the first thing we're going to 
be changing is our Achilles and calf position. They're going to be in a shortened state. So, you know, when you go from this constant shortened Achilles um, position and then you may change into a, a flatter shoe or a football boot or uh, even go for a walk in summer barefoot, it's no wonder that the Achilles um, or the plantar fascia starts to give us trouble because it's so used to being in a short and raised position that it just can't handle it, doesn't know how to function um, back down at ground level. A heel pitch will also change our centre of gravity. So it puts a bit of a, a forward slant on your body. If you imagine that your body was completely um, stiff up and down and you pop two centimetres under your heel, it's going to tilt your whole body forward. Your whole body would be slanting forward. But the way we compensate for that with a heel is by shortening the uh, calf and the ankle. But then we also quite often will hyperextend or lock the knees to compensate for this. We will also tilt the pelvis, which then creates um, more of an arch through the lower back. So we're compressing the lower spine. And then we'll normally stick our chest out so then we start to change breathing patterns. And obviously the higher the heel is, the worse these compensations are. But anything above zero, we're basically starting to create these compensations. Now, when we're in this compensated position and we're slightly forward, it can make our glutes um, not fire as efficiently. With the raised heel, we also, um, the ankle will be pointing down, so it's in a plantar flexed position. And this locks the foot, basically. So it means when we're trying to absorb impact, we're now landing on a foot that is slightly locked. So heel pitch is something that um, I don't quite understand why we still have it in shoes. Um, I mean, it can have its place in healing certain conditions. So um, if you're trying to offload, you know, a sore Achilles or something like that, then a heel pitch can be a nice little short-term solution to offload an Achilles. But as a day-to-day device that you're wearing around, um, I think it's just actually quite dangerous and and sets you up for um, increased risk of pain and injury. So if there's one thing that I'd be trying to ditch out of shoes as soon as possible, it's the heel pitch. So trying to get back to a flatter shoe where possible. Um, thanks to that forward um, slanting position. The next feature I wanted to have a little chat about is the stiffness of the sole. Now, unfortunately, when the middle of the shoe is stiffened, then this can change the way the foot adapts to different surfaces. So when we're barefoot, our foot can mould over different 
shapes and surfaces or rocks or you know just sand or whatever we're walking on once we're in a stiff kind of shoe our foot will only have to adapt to that one surface so this can start to result in tighter um, muscles and joints in the feet you start to get lose a bit of mobility in the feet and we can start to struggle um, going from pronation to supination so flattening the foot out isn't, isn't all that such a bad thing because that's how we absorb shock okay so if we're constantly in this stiff shoe and we don't really know where our body starts to lose the ability to absorb shock then we become really reliant on the cushioning in the shoe and hope that that absorbs the shock for us and it can also reduce the amount of propulsion we have so we're basically reducing yeah our toe from bending by anywhere from 30 to 80 percent i think is the the numbers from memory and that's mainly because of we have the stiffness in the sole and then with the added thickness of the cushioning um, it becomes quite hard for our toes to bend naturally which has a, a huge effect on our walking pattern so the more inflexible the shoe the more likely you are to develop a, a flat-footed sort of gait pattern just based on um, yeah, the toes not bending the muscles not firing properly and, and losing that ability to adapt to different surfaces now with the stiffer sole um, and the thicker cushioning which we haven't got to yet but basically those couple of features then lead to sh- um, yeah, shoe companies needing to um, put in what's called a toe spring so if the foot if the shoe was completely um if you put it on the the ground it was completely flat on the ground and was stiff and had that thick layer of cushioning you'd really notice um that reduced ability to bend your toe and all your toes it'd be really hard to do so and um, you would feel it a lot uh, quicker or have more awareness around that so what shoe companies have done is created this rocker effect at the front of the shoe. So if you put most joggers like flat on a table, you'll see the front of the toes will kick up slightly and that creates a rocker. So the, as your foot rolls forward ready to bend the toes, you don't have to bend them quite as far because the shoe will start to roll forward up onto the toes um, for you. Now, this rocker effect um, in the shoe will inhibit the windlass mechanism again. And let me just quickly explain that. I mentioned it before as well. The windlass mechanism um, in the foot is basically when you start to bend the big toe upwards with your, with your foot flat on the ground, then your arch of the foot will start to raise and you'll start to tighten the plantar fascia. And this is the way that our body starts to lock the foot so as we load the big toe start to bend the big toe we start to yeah lock the foot which helps with getting ready for propulsion so if we try to propel off a loose unlocked foot then we don't get quite as much um, force created to 
propel us forward. So we have to use more energy and there's more risk of injury. Whereas once we start to wind that big toe up, lock the foot and then drive forward um, through that movement, we have a locked foot so we can um, push that force that we're generating uh, through the locked foot and then push that through the, the rest of the body as a way of yeah, moving more efficiently and, and faster, creating more power. But in, in the shoes, um, our windless mechanism, yeah, becomes inhibited because if we have that toe spring, the windless mechanisms are always somewhat switched on, so it becomes dysfunctional. And the stiffer shoes uh, will mean that we can't yeah, bend the big toe as well as we should, which also means we have a dysfunctional windless mechanism and yeah, we'll basically be walking on um, either a foot that's locked too much or it, we start to lose the ability to lock and unlock the foot at the right time. Now, with that toe spring as well, we will have our toes angled upwards from anywhere from like 5 to 20 degrees, depending on the shoe. So that means we start to create tendon imbalances in the foot as well. So more likely to develop clawed toes and hammer toes because of the position that the toes are in on a daily basis with that toe spring. Now, cushioning. So big misconception around cushioning. Um, it can feel great, I know, but so can hot chips. <laughs> now, we all know hot chips yeah, can taste great, but they're not that good for us in the long run. And cushioning, unfortunately, is the same. It can feel lovely and trick our body into um, feeling like we're walking on air, but cushioning is actually reducing our proprioception. So the information we're getting from the ground up to our brain to let us know when to fire the muscles with the right timing and the right force, that's all interfered with when we start putting a layer of cushioning between us and the ground. Now, the cushioning also creates more thickness through the shoe and through the sole of the shoe, which means then we're more likely to have more stiffness, bigger toe spring. Cushioning is one of those things that yeah, would generally change the way the shoe functions as a whole as well. One last thing is that it can also create um, more instability around the subtalar joint, which is a little joint in the ankle and and on a whole I find people that start to rely on cushioning and have these nice soft sort of memory foam cushioning in their shoes will generally have more instability and part of that is because the body won't or you know, starts to misfire muscles of the, so you end up with instability there because you're not hitting the ground and, and firing those muscles quickly there's a, a delay but also just the fact that you have a layer of cushioning under your feet means there is more instability. Anything that squishes under your foot creates in this instability. And the one thing our foot uh, wants and is looking for at all times is stability. All right, so the next feature I wanted to really brush over today is the shape of shoes, in particular narrow toe boxes. So if you pull the insole out of most shoes and stand on it, you'll find that 
the most narrow part of the shoe or of the insole is around the toes. When in fact, the widest part of our foot should be the toes. So there's been this misconception for many years that the widest part of our foot is around the, across the ball of the foot, across the bridge of the foot. When, yeah, the, the toes, if in alignment, um, should be as wide as the ball of the foot, if not wider. So most modern shoes just aren't designed wide enough. They squish our toes in, which starts to create more instability around the big toe joint starts to change the structure of joints, which over time just leads to <laughs> lots of lots of negative issues as well. So we start to change the natural expansion that the foot should be going through with every step. And by altering the position of the toes, yeah, we're more likely to develop those hammer toes, claw toes, bunions, um, things like that as well as we're squishing the toes out of shape, which not only visually can look um, like a deformity, but it changes the way our body moves. So when looking for shoes, we want to make sure that the toe box on the shoe is nice and wide and that the widest part of it ideally is around the toes. I don't want to go into too much depth. If you want more information, I'm happy to do some more episodes. Um, more specifically on each feature and, and really deep dive into biomechanically what each of those do. But it can be a bit tricky um, trying to yeah, discuss some of these features you know, with just audio. But yeah, if you want to learn more, I'm happy to um, do so. So just, just let me know. I had some people on social media asking some questions about shoes. So I thought I'd read a couple of those out and, and run through them um, as well while we're talking about shoes and footwear. So the first question was, what sort of kid shoes do I recommend? And again, I'm not so much into brands. I'm more into features of shoes. So when looking for kid shoes, um, again, as long as there's no structural or, or current issues, I believe that all kids um, should be in flat, floppy, wide and flexible shoes. So we want to ditch that heel pitch, um, make sure there's no toe spring, make sure there's no stiffness through the sole, minimum cushioning, really wide toe box, and make sure that the, the shoe or sandal is strapped on to the foot and kids is where it really starts you know if we can start changing the norm of what we put our kids in we could really create um, strong foundations for the next generation and I truly believe we could really start to decrease um, a lot of the biomechanical um, dysfunctions and um, issues that we're seeing more and more of these days you know the orthotic industry is booming the footwear industry is booming and i think we could um really taper that back if we just started to make some better footwear decisions 
um, especially with the kids. All right, Num- question number two was how tight should shoes be? Now, this is kind of a bit of a you know personal question, really. It's kind of whatever you um, feel comfortable in. Obviously, if they're too tight, then you just risk being uncomfortable and the shoes rubbing and causing skin irritations like corns and calluses. And same as if the shoe is too big, you can slop around in it, which can yeah cause your toes to claw to keep them on or be sliding around too much. It can create friction and cause skin conditions as well. So the rule of thumb is about a thumb width at the end. But I do find with barefoot um, sort of minimalist shoes, so the shoes without all the fancy features like heel pitch and cushioning, um, you can generally go a bit less than a thumb width um, just because they haven't got the toe spring at the front. If they're a bit long, you know, over a thumb width, you can start to get a bit of flipping um, of the shoe at the front, which can get a bit annoying. But again, up to... Uh, your personal preference on that one. Now, I was also asked um, about socks with barefoot shoes. And again, it's a personal preference. Like for me, I wear socks with my work shoes, um, more so because they're a pretty warm leather boot. And I'm in them all day. And I just know that if I didn't wear Socks with them, they would stink and would probably develop tinea and some other skin irritations that uh, and bacteria so I just don't want to have to deal with. So I wear socks with my work ones, but my um, casual barefoot shoes, I don't. I prefer to um, be barefoot in my shoes. I even take the insole out of them just so that I'm flatter to the ground, lower to the ground. I find even having a sock on can feel like a bit of bit of cushioning and just change the way my foot reacts to the ground. But again, it's just my personal um, preference. So if you want to wear socks, there's no issue. Just make sure they're not overly tight or super thick and spongy that it's changing the way your foot moves. But if it's just, um, yeah, a sock to, to keep you shoes smelling better than I don't see an issue with that okay next question was what shoes do I recommend and how long should you wear them for so the shoes I recommend are basically yeah, minimalist shoes where possible so again the the minimal heel pitch the floppy midsole no toe spring, no cushioning, and a really wide toe box. And how long do you wear them for? Well, yeah, it's, again, it's really up to the individual. Um, depends on your what you're doing for work, um, the conditions you're in. So if you're in a really cold environment, you're probably going to wear shoes a bit more often to avoid frostbite on your feet, especially if you're outside. Um, if you're in the workplace, it requires you to wear a shoe, you're going to be in them 
um, you know, probably probably for eight to ten hours based on your work day, um, or even school. You know, school you're probably in them for a good seven hours, but wherever possible, I still recommend getting out of minimalist barefoot shoes and getting around completely barefoot to let your feet um, feel the sensations and textures of um, different surfaces. So whether it's concrete, grass, sand, whatever it is, there's lots of benefits to um, being on um, surfaces as well. So, yeah, up to you. Obviously, the less you wear shoes from a biomechanical point of view, I think the better. But we still live in a society that requires shoes, so you just have to do what's right for you. I think it's more about just trying to avoid, when possible, those um, negative features in shoes. All right, next question was, why aren't barefoot shoes more common? Now, unfortunately, the footwear industry is run by some pretty big companies who make a lot of money out of selling um, features to us, to the latest cushioning, the latest air pockets, you know, the latest um, whatever. It's all these technical features that sell shoes and it's easier to market these latest features that, you know, are the must-have Barefoot shoes um, kind of don't sound as sexy when you're just selling something that doesn't have any cushioning, doesn't have, um, like, there's nothing to really um, sell, especially for the individual who doesn't understand the biomechanics and the benefits of being in a barefoot shoe. And at this stage, barefoot shoes can still be quite expensive just because they don't have the volume. They're still making smaller batches because they just don't have the numbers that the big companies um, have. So I'm hoping to see that will change significantly in the coming years as more and more people start to really understand um, what shoes are doing to us and and start to make better choices. Um, And the other reason barefoot shoes... Um, aren't all that common is that in the past people haven't really understood that they need to put a bit of effort in to restore and reset their feet and their movement patterns. So if you were just to go in um, without understanding what you're trying to do and went from a, a normal heeled type of shoe and decided to buy yourself some barefoot shoes, um, the transition will probably be pretty tricky for most people and you'll find some discomfort um, while transitioning. Even if you are doing the appropriate exercises, it can still be something your body needs to get used to. So for many people that don't understand that, they just assume that then being in a barefoot type of shoe or a barefoot state mustn't be good for us. So then the big shoe companies win more because you know people then believe they need all that cushioning and support because they feel better in it when in fact it's just their body is that dysfunctional that they're now relying on all those features to move. 
Right, and the last question I have here from social media today was, what are the most important steps when transitioning to barefoot shoes? So when we're starting to ditch all these features that I just spoke about, the most important thing is working on your mobility, working on some strength, and working on some motor control drills to make sure that your foot does have the appropriate range of motion, does have the appropriate strength, and you can control the movement well so that you're not reliant on all that um, support and cushioning. And then you'll find if you get on top of all that first, the transition is so much easier. Um, I'd hardly even call it a transition. But if you still have underlying issues, then... Yeah, you're more likely to experience. Uh, well, barefoot shoes will highlight those areas of weaknesses pretty quick because you'll expose them. They're not going to be supported anymore, um, which I think is a good thing. It's something you can view as like your body letting you know what you need to work on versus just hiding it in a shoe because even if it's there and you're hiding it in a shoe, the problem is still there and you're still having to compensate for that problem it's just that the pain and symptoms will probably show up somewhere else so yeah start off with fixing your body fixing your you know your hips your your feet your ankles um and then start transitioning to the barefoot shoes so i truly feel that more education is needed around the area of footwear and the problems that they can cause and if the public was more aware of how shoes can alter our feet and the way we move, at least we could make more informed decisions as to whether we want to subject ourselves um, to these modern technical devices or whether we want to really work on a body that supports us. So that's all I have for today. Um, hopefully you can take away some of these features and start to um you know when you're ready move towards a lower more barefoot style shoe so until next time um thanks for listening in and i'll talk to you soon this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com check us out on facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash the wellness couch Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.